Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch rushing. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. All right. Very eventful weekend in baseball. Let's break it all down. Welcome in to Fantasy Baseball today on Monday, July 11th. Frank Sample joined by Scott White and Chris Towers. Today on the show, Nolan Jones got the call. Bunch of waiver wire options. Buy or sell, start or sit. We'll get into all of it. But first, Chris, I am so jealous that you got to see the one and only Sandy in person Sunday. How was it? Yeah, I went to the uh, Marlins-Mets game. Marlins got the series split, which is, uh, you know, that's the under 500 teams version of a moral victory. Uh, And Sandy was, you know, he wasn't even like as sharp as normal today. But he still managed to go through seven innings and 93 pitches, lowered his ERA to 173. Like, this run he's on is just fantastic. I was thinking, like, in the pantheon of Marlins pitchers, we're coming up on, like, 96 Kevin Brown and Jose Fernandez, his one full season, I think 2016, um, and maybe, like, one Josh Johnson stretch. Like, that's where Sandy Alcantara is right now. It's been... Really, really fun to watch, and uh, I think I have him as a top five, if not I, either five or six pitcher in both formats now. Hey. So so this is, for Sandy Alcantara, 12 straight 12 starts straight, yeah. Yeah. with seven-plus innings. He has a 124 ERA and a .73 whip in that 12-start stretch. Like, I know there are other pitchers having good seasons, and, like, Tony Gonsolin is the hometown guy, and Clayton Kershaw's having a really good season, and, like, that would be fun for the Dodgers hosting the All-Star game. But, like, there's no question Sandy Alcantara has been the best pitcher in the National League this season. He's thrown, like, 20 more innings than anyone else. It's wild. Yeah, yep. He leads baseball with 130.1 innings pitched. Uh, the next closest, Aaron Nola, 111 and a third innings pitched and uh, top 10 in strikeouts this season for Sandy Alcantara as well. Happy you were able to see it, Chris. By the way, Josh Johnson, low key. I always love that guy. I thought that he was going to be amazing and I got suckered in. Every, anytime he did anything, I got suckered in. So just shouts to the dude at the Mets Marlins game today, rocking a Josh Johnson jersey. Oof. That, that is the real hero. <laughs> that is awesome. All right. <laughs> let's get into uh, the rest of the weekend's action. Oh, my goodness. Gracious. Oh my goodness gracious. There was a prospect promotion this weekend, Scotty, and he did something pretty awesome in his first game. What'd he do? Mm. Well, it was more in his second game. Uh, the prospect is Nolan Jones, and the awesome feat was he hit a 457-foot home run into the fountains at Kauffman Stadium. And it was kind of a... Uh, 
kind of disarming how far it went because off the bat, I was like, oh, you know, it didn't look like it was going to be this monster home run. It was, I guess it was just hit on, uh, you know, just at just at the right launch angle to make it deceptive looking off the bat. But it went a long way. It was an impressive poke there for Nolan Jones. And he had an impressive weekend overall. Went five for 10, walked three times, started all three games. I think there would be a lot more excitement for him in fantasy if this was happening in July of 2021. He had been kind of a consensus top 100 prospect three years in a row prior to this year. Kind of fell off the map because he had a bad year that ended in ankle surgery last year. It was his first shot at at AAA. And and I got a sense from a lot of the prospect write-ups for Nolan Jones, even entering into last year, that people were kind of losing faith in him. Uh, he, his strikeout rate remained high in a way, you know, he, he, he walks a lot. And I think people were expecting the strikeouts to improve the power. You know, he has a good raw power profile, but puts the ball on the ground a lot and, and continued to, uh, even into the upper minors. So I think there's still a lot of skepticism for Nolan Jones. We have yet to see if he's going to keep playing against left-handed pitchers. He's a left-handed batter. So, so I think that that's a, a, a real question. But I, I think the most attractive thing about him is even though he's playing outfield now, he remains eligible at third base in CBS Sports Leagues anyway. And uh, that's a miserable position. That's a position where a lot of people need help. So I would say anywhere you need help at that position, it's worth taking a flyer on Nolan Jones. I didn't, didn't put in a bid for him, I don't think, in any of my 12-team leagues. I did in a few of the 15-teamers. None of them I really needed a third baseman. So my, my bids were modest. But, you know, if I needed a third, if I did need a third baseman, that might have changed the equation a bit. Mm-hmm. And especially if you need a third baseman this upcoming week, because the Guardians have eight games, and I know that they're top five in terms of hitter matchups for you, Scott. So 17% rostered is Nolan Jones. He's widely available, will gain outfield eligibility as well. Do you think he is a must-add, Scott, or just... You know, if you need the help for now, if you need a corner or something like that, or you, or you just looking to take that shot, no matter what. I wouldn't say no matter what. No, I, I, like I said, there were some. I, I don't think I put it a bid for him in any of my twelve team leagues. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I, I don't know that there was anybody I was dying to drop in any of those leagues. It might have been different if there was. You know, it's never a bad idea to take a chance on upside. But I, I have, I have some. I have some real doubts about Jones and his ability to be uh, be a useful everyday player in the majors, but there is talent there. If you want to take a shot on it, go ahead. All right, fair enough. Uh, you mentioned he was added in a bunch of leagues already for Fab. He went for an average of seven percentage of remaining Fab budget uh, in the leagues that I play in. Chris, does that sound right? If you want to take a shot on Nolan Jones, maybe five to seven percent, something like that, or is that too high? Yeah, that seems reasonable to me. Um, you know, I think your best case scenario is probably like a, maybe this is a little too optimistic, but like Max Muncy, like that's the kind of profile I think, you know, very patient hitter. Um, Nolan Jones swung, I just read Nolan Jones swung at fewer than 40% of all pitches he saw last year in AAA. This year so far, I mean, it's limited sample size, but it's been like 35%. So yeah, I think there's a chance that he's, a, you know, a, a solid source of power who, you know, probably hurts you in batting average. So, you know, a poor man's Max Muncy, maybe. 
All right. Let's uh, stick with you here, Chris. Oh, my goodness gracious. Stand out from the weekend for you. Reed Detmers, who got sent down to the minors on June 21st, made one start in the minors and was so good that they called him back up. He had 14 strikeouts in that minor league start, and it wasn't quite that good Friday against the Orioles, but still a pretty impressive start for a guy who hasn't shown all that much outside of the no-hitter. That's a pretty good one, I guess, but (laughs) seven strikeouts over six shutout innings, two hits, one walk for Reed Detmers in this one, and... The headline coming out of the start is that he threw his slider as his most used pitch 40% of the time, and it was a harder slider than he had thrown before. His average velocity with it was up to uh, 86.4 miles per hour. That was three miles per hour up from where his slider's been this season, and I think it's interesting. You know, I don't know if it's enough to make Reed Detmers a, a superstar, but the the scouting report on him coming up as a prospect was – you know, he, he was a college guy who got drafted and moved very quickly through the minors, and it was always like pitchability. The curveball is this, you know, really good pitch for him, but wasn't necessarily clear if the rest of the arsenal was going to get there. And, you know, the slider, four swings and misses on 36 pitches, that's not incredible, but the, the fact that it was more effective, the fact that he was more effective overall, um, and the fact that Reed Demers is a young pitcher with some pedigree makes it uh, at least worth a look on waivers. I'm not going to say that you should go all out for him, but his fastball has been so bad in the majors that anything that lessens the, the impact of that is going to be a good thing. All right. That is Reed Detmers widely available as well. 26% rostered. Even if you add him this week, which I think speculatively makes sense prospect status there. And obviously change in pitch mix. He's going up against the Dodgers this week. So I don't think you want to use him in that matchup, but just if you want to take a shot and and see where it goes from here, I think it's, I think it's a good idea, Scott. Yeah. I mean, he, he, not only did he, um, you know, I I just don't want to understate the amount of that increase on the slider. He had been throwing it like 15% of the time previously and basically felt like he didn't have it. He considered it as put away pitch and he just didn't have it earlier in the year, managed to throw a no hitter in spite of it. Um, but if you're missing your best pitch, like you can understand, like this, this, this just kind of puts the, the rest of his season in, into uh sheds a new light on it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Because uh, he went down and he said he found a mechanical issue that was keeping him from keeping the slider from working for him. So uh, hopefully this is a fix for Reed Detmers. And and I agree. I think anywhere you need a pitcher, you know, you wouldn't want to start him next week, as you said. But there, there's definite promise here for Reed Detmers. Where does he rank among these waiver wire pitchers? Was going to save this for a little bit later on, but hey, we're talking about Detmers. Uh, the other ones that stood out to me, Alex Wood had an, a fantastic start on Sunday, seven shutout innings, eight strikeouts up against the San Diego Padres. Uh, Aaron Savali had a great start, seven innings, one run, six strikeouts at the Royals. Johnny Cueto turns back the clocks against the Tigers, eight shutout innings there, five hits, zero walks, five strikeouts. Chris, do you think Detmers ranks at the top of that group? Wood, Detmers, Savali, Cueto. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I think him and Wood are probably pretty close, but with, uh, you know, Wood being somewhat underwhelming this season, I think um, I think I would take Detmers over him, yeah. Scott, I, I was going to say Wood's the only one yeah. I would take ahead of Detmers. You know, obviously had a good start this weekend himself, one of his best starts of the season, and he has, uh, let me see, I just wrote it down. No, I was going to say 
that Wood has a 320 XFIP on the year. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which certainly paints a much rosier picture than the 443 ERA. But you know, also the FIP and the XERA, basically all the ERA estimators suggest Wood has deserved much better than he's gotten. And hopefully this starts Sunday where he struck out eight and seven shutout innings. Needed only 83 pitches to do so, too. Hopefully that's that's Alex Wood getting back on track. Mm-hmm. All right, so Scott, did you say definitively? Would you take? Yeah, I would go Wood over Detmers, but okay. th- those two are in a different category from the other two. I really have no interest in uh, in Johnny Cueto or Aaron Savale. By the way, Johnny Cueto has an XFIP over four. Yeah, <laughs> sure even does. Though, even though he has a two ninety one ERA. Yeah, it's kind of the opposite of uh, Alex Wood right now. I will say, if you play in a quality start league, Johnny Cueto has a quality start in eight of ten starts this season. So. If nothing else, he is giving you length and, you know, decent length at that. Oh, my goodness gracious, for me, got to stick with the, you know, homer, right? Why not? Matt Carpenter, seven hits this weekend, including two home runs, and he has started six straight games for the Yankees. They are finding ways to get his bat in the lineup. He's playing a little bit of first base. They throw him in the outfield. He's playing DH. Uh, Joey Gallo has really lost out on playing time, and I think rightfully so, based on what he's done this season. But... I'm kind of interested in this. Uh, he's 11% rostered. He's widely available. I added him in a few of my deeper leagues already. He's got second base eligibility for now. He's hitting the ball hard. He's putting the ball in the air. He's pulling the ball a ton, which all makes sense for Yankee Stadium as a left-handed batter. So I don't really want to overstate it because like a week from now, he might not even be playing or anything with the Yankees, but I- I'm kind of interested in this. Scott, what do you think about Matt Carpenter and are you looking to add him anywhere? Well, I hadn't noticed that he'd started playing again. He they, they had taken him out of the lineup after he had a good stretch filling in for Giancarlo Stanton early in the year, and I kind of thought that was that, you know. Uh, but yeah, the numbers look fantastic, and he always seemed like a guy who um, the underlying numbers suggested his decline wasn't as steep as the the overlaying numbers, I guess made it appear. I do remember this offseason reading about how he spent a lot of time with Joey Votto this offseason to try and... I'm actually re- looking at that piece right now. Yeah, to try and recap, to, to try and tap into the same thing Joey Votto did to, uh, you know, up his power late in his career. And maybe it's happening for Carpenter, too. Maybe maybe pulling the ball more is part of it. Mm-hmm. Chris, do you are you looking to add Carpenter in anything shallower than, like, a 15-team league for now, or... Just kind of take a wait-and-see approach. Yeah, I would say probably 15-team or deeper is where I'm looking. You know, it's I guess I could see a 12-team league where I could have a need, but for the most part, yeah, I'm, I'm still not quite convinced of the playing time. Um, but it's I'm happy to see it, you know, and, and the skill set does look like there's at least, like it's not, it doesn't seem like it's entirely smoke and mirrors, I guess is the way I would want to say it. Yeah, again, hitting the ball hard, uh, putting yep. it in the air, and pulling it. I mean, that is a re- recipe for success, especially in Yankee Stadium. So take a shot in deeper leagues, and let's see if uh, this continues to uh, to go uh, for Matt Carpenter. We spoke about a few waiver wire pitchers. Let's uh, let's get into a few others here. Waiver wire pitchers part two. Keegan Thompson had a strong start at the Dodgers this weekend. Five and two-thirds innings of one run ball. Eight strikeouts in that start. A nice little pitcher's duel on Saturday between Kyle Gibson and Dakota Hudson. Gibson uh, went seven shutout with five strikeouts. And Dakota Hudson went six shutout on the other side with four strikeouts in that game. And then Jake Odorizzi 
bold prediction by Chris to end Friday's podcast was that Odorizzi would have a great start on Sunday. That's exactly what he did. Seven shutout innings with seven strikeouts, 14 swinging strikes at the Oakland A's. Obviously a great matchup, but he's also facing the Oakland A's again this week. Chris, do you have any interest in Odorizzi, uh, Kyle Gibson, Dakota Hudson, Keegan Thompson? Yeah, I think Odorizzi's a fine uh, streamer. I don't know, you know, I don't know who he's facing after Oakland or I guess that's probably his last start before the all-star break. So yeah. I don't know who he's facing coming back out of the all-star break, but yeah, I, I think he's going to be useful against Oakland. Sure. I don't think he's going to be this good, but you know, I, th- I think he's an average pitcher or, or so and average pitchers can look really good against Oakland. So totally fine using him there. That, that being said, like I think I'd probably, if I was looking longer term, I'd probably just rather have Keegan Thompson who I, I don't think is, a superstar by any stretch of the imagination, but I think he's done some good things. He's doing a good job of controlling quality of contact, uh, 70th percentile or thereabouts in most of the quality of contact metrics. Obviously, small sample size caveats abound, but yeah, I think there's something somewhat interesting about Keegan Thompson and his you know, kitchen sink approach to throwing pitches. Scott, you looking to add any of these names? Thompson, Kyle Gibson, Dakota Hudson, Odorizzi? I mean, Thompson is probably my favorite, but that's not saying a lot. I think when he first started out, his ground ball rate was a lot higher than it is now. It's, it's, it's you know, he's, he's not exactly profiling as a ground ball pitcher right now, in which case, you know, I, I'm just not sure he does anything well enough to be... Uh, more than a streamable type in fantasy. I am like kind of disappointed Jake Odorizzi was so good on Sunday because like the Astros aren't going to keep a six-man rotation rest of season. And maybe it'll be a life finds a way situation and somebody gets hurt that you know pitchers are, have been known to do that. But I'd hate for anyone else to be bumped in favor of Odorizzi from that rotation, you know? Oh, yeah. Scott just hates when I look good. That's all. No, no. He, hates, <laughs> he hates to see me shine. Uh, especially when it's uh, advocating for Jake oh, Odorizzi. Only when it's Odorizzi, yes. <laughs> uh, waiver Wire Pitchers Part 3. If you didn't really like the previous group, I think you're probably going to hate this one. Dean Kramer <laughs> has uh, four scoreless outings in his last five starts. He went five shutout with seven strikeouts against the Angels. Madison Bumgarner had one of his best starts of the season. Seven innings of two-run ball with five strikeouts against the Rockies. Zach Greinke now has three solid starts since returning from the IL. He went five shutout with five strikeouts against the Guardians. And then Cole Irvin, low-key, he's having a good season. Nothing really lines up with the underlying numbers, but he was good again against the Houston Astros of all teams. Six innings, two runs, only two strikeouts, uh, zero walks there for Cole Irvin. Scott, right back to you. Cole Irvin, Granke, Bumgarner, Dean Kramer. Anything with this group? Maybe more so in deeper leagues. How rostered is Irvin? I'm surprised he's as available as he is. Yeah, he's only 42% rostered. Yeah, considering what the ERA and whip look like. Uh, I imagine the three and six record has something to do with that. Yeah. Uh, Pitching for Oakland, I, I, not the best. I would say, you know, I don't see a lot to get excited about with Irvin either, but this is kind of, you know, for most of last year, he was doing this too. So there, he did fade down the stretch last year. Um but there may be something there that just isn't jumping out to me that makes him serviceable. And so I would say both him and Granky 
I have more interest in than the previous group, which is more a reflection on the previous group than those two. But still, I'm, I mean, in Granky's case, I like that the velocity has been up by like a, a mile per hour and a half. Someone gave me a hard time for saying that the other day because it's like up a mile per an hour and a half or is it up 1.5 no, miles per, per hour up a mile per hour and a half would be like a strange metric no one would ever use of a mile per hour. <laughs> yeah yeah i think 1.5 um, miles per hour is how i would say it yes. but yes <laughs> do you scott don't listen to the haters granky's throwing harder and three of his four starts since coming back from the il have been his three best starts of the season i would say and he's zach granky so you know I, 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 you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to write him off too soon, especially if he's showing signs of, of, uh, doing better things. So I would say Granky's my, I'm not calling him must add or anything, but I would say of these last two groups of pitchers, he's the one I have the most hope for. And yeah, I looked into like Madison Bumgarner to see like maybe like the 365 ERA, you know, maybe there's something I'm missing there. I haven't really paid any attention. No, there's not. The, vol- the velocity is up for Bumgarner. That's the yeah, only thing but I noticed. He's but, still, yeah. his his xERA is like four eight eight. His strikeout rate's way down. I I, yeah. I don't see much reason to to be optimistic about Mass and Bumgarner. When you see a three point six five ERA accompanied by a one point three five WHIP, you know yeah, one of those things you. is probably off. So yeah. probably going to be some regression coming for Madison Bumgarner. Not that you're necessarily going to drop. These pitchers I'm going to mention for uh, the ones that we just talked about, but you know maybe for Detmers or Alex Wood. Chris, what do you think? Are we entering drop territory with any of these three pitchers? Mackenzie Gore got rocked again on Sunday. He gave up eight runs over three and a third innings pitched. The ERA now up over four. Uh, Martin Perez, your favorite. Another regression start over his last six starts. He's got a 4.91 ERA. And Jamison Tyone has just come crashing back down to earth. Last seven starts, 6.90 ERA. Uh, what do you think about dropping any of those names, Chris? Gore, I think Martin Perez, Tyone. I think it's totally fine to drop uh, Jamison Tyone, especially, um, you know, not in every league, certainly. You know, your 15-team leagues probably keep keep him. But, like, I think he's droppable in a 12-team league. I've never really had him and set him, like, my top 70, I don't think. So pretty, pretty pessimistic about him Perez I mean my guess is he won't be worth starting moving forward so like on the whole so I that's you know you can take that to mean he's droppable but I'm not telling you to (laughs) uh Gore I want to hang on to but man yeah it's rough his fastball velocity the first two months of the season April and May was above 95 miles per hour on average in June, it was 94.1. In July, so far, it's down to 93.5. So that's concerning. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's an injury. You know, it could just be that his mechanics are a little out of whack. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's something that you wouldn't be surprised to see from someone who, you know, has at least three walks in well, seven, six starts entering this most recent one, only had two strikeouts in the most recent one. So, yeah, I think... Um, Gore, Gore spent all of last year trying to fix his mechanics, yeah. basically. So, and he's got like a a very you know specific style of pitching that's very like Clayton Kershaw esque in in a lot of the ways that he pitches, and you know Kershaw makes it work for him. But it's a you know when you actually watch Clayton Kershaw pitch, he's got a pretty unique delivery. He's got a pretty unique way of of you know 
the the drive through his leg kick is very unique and gore has struggled with that in the past and uh seems to be struggling with it right now so i want to hang on to him the upside's high but i can't fault you if you drop him you know i can't i can't say i'm 100 percent confident he's going to turn it around soon mm-hmm. yeah i i'm kind of worried gore is going to get sent down I mean, I say worried, but that might be the best thing for him. The Padres are still rocking in a six-man rotation, and that's and that's with Nick Martinez in the bullpen. They could always move Nick Martinez back to the rotation if they wanted to stick with the six-man. So, uh, you know, remember Gore only got in the rotation in the first place because of an injury, I think, to Clevenger or somebody else. And uh, he did so well at first that he stuck around, but now he's not. Now he's doing – like, he's unstartable right now, and I think he's – uh, certainly in like a 12-team context, I think you could talk about sitting Gore. The one I'd be most hesitant to drop of the three is Martin Perez because, let me see, he, even as of now, uh, I mean, he's like he's like top 20 in scoring in points leagues, even with this rough stretch he's on. He's, he's outscored Zach Wheeler. He's outscored Robbie Ray, Yu Darvish. And like I, I go to the teams where I have Martin Perez and he's the highest scorer on my team for the season. And it's like, okay, I'm not going to drop him. I don't miss your chance to sell him though. Well, maybe so. If, if somebody, if anybody was buying, I think there's a good chance I'll end up dropping him at some point. Certainly if he continues down this path, but I will point out that his ERA during this rough stretch is more like 450 than like 650. You know, it's it's not what you've seen from Gore where he's just like sinking you every start. It's just he hasn't been very good. So, you know, that that gives me a little bit of hope, too. All right. Let's move over to some waiver wire hitters from the weekend. John Birdie. I know we've talked about John Birdie a lot, but another interesting weekend where he had seven hits, two more steals, uh, leads baseball and stolen bases, 68 percent rostered. Chris, I know we were talking beforehand and. You're like, oh hey, John Burry's on first base. I bet you he steals a base, and that's exactly what Yeah, I told what he my does. wife like, there's a ninety percent chance this guy's gonna try to steal second, and he stole it on the next pitch. The only on thing, the first pitch. The only thing is, Chris, he's sixty eight percent rostered. I I don't know if that number needs to be higher because I don't know that he is like a must roster player in a points league. No, probably not. But I think he's viable. Like I don't think it's it's the worst thing in the world if you had to use him in a points league in a pinch. He's eligible at what, three or four different positions, so that's helpful. But mm-hmm. no, I, I definitely don't think in a points league he's a must-roster player. I, I do think he's a must-roster and must-start player in basically any league where stolen bases matter, though. Oh, yeah, for sure. He is uh, actually 75% rostered on Yahoo, too, so yeah. I thought that was That makes sense. They have a much higher proportion of their leagues that are roto or categories-based than ours. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Scott, do you like any of these corner infielders who did something of note from the weekend? Alec Bohm had a double dong on Friday. He's 45% rostered. Josh Rojas... Just kind of fits this bill, but you could play him anywhere, middle infield, outfield. Uh, he had seven hits this weekend, including a sock and a shoe on Friday, his fifth homer, his seventh steal, 49% rostered. Gavin Sheets has first and outfield eligibility, back-to-back games with a home run. He's been playing consistently for the White Sox. He's 7% rostered, and Carlos Santana has three homers over the past two games. For the Mariners, including a double dong on Sunday, he is 9% rostered. What do you think of this group, Scott? Bohm, Rojas... Gavin Sheets and Carlos Santana. Well, the most interesting, I think, is Rojas because he's so versatile and because he's contributing some speed in addition to everything else. 
Like, I, I don't think this is the start of a breakthrough or anything. I, I think he's, I think he's a pretty middling hitter based on what we've seen from him so far in his career. But he's certainly hitting the ball hard right now during this stretch, like 93 mile per hour average exit velocity, I noticed. And, um, you know, I just like having those versatile players around, especially the, the deeper the league you're in or the more restricted transactions are, obviously. It helps to have that guy you can slot in almost anywhere. Uh, Carlos Santana, I could see him becoming useful in, in points leagues again. I mean, it's been going on like a month now mm-hmm. where he's been hot. And, um, you know, more walks than strikeouts this year. The plate discipline that's been excellent throughout his career and made him a top 10 first baseman in fantasy for, I would say, a decade, but he actually started out a catcher. So he was like a top two catcher and then a top 10 first baseman forever, it seemed like, in points leagues because of that great plate discipline. That's still intact. So, you know, 9% rostered. I, I don't think it's, there's a lot of urgency to add Carlos Santana right now, but I'm, I'm keeping an eye on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I checked this since the start of June. He's batting over 300, something like a 450 OBP. So mm-hmm. just especially in you know, deeper points leagues or any type of OBP format, I think Santana is going to help you quite a bit in those leagues. How about any of these deep league outfielders? Nick Senzel had two more multi-hit games this weekend. And over his last 17 games, he's batting 426 with two homers, three steals, and an OPS over 1,000. Aaron Hicks went two for three with two steals on Friday. He's been playing pretty consistently recently for the Yankees, and Harold Ramirez had six hits this weekend. He's now batting 324 overall. Just not much else. Four homers, three steals on the season. He's 25% rostered. Uh, Chris, how would you rank these in, in deeper leagues? Senzel, Hicks, and Harold Ramirez. You know, I might go Harold Ramirez just because I think he's the best pure hitter of this bunch. I'm not sure what else he's going to do, but he does kind of remind me of Garrett Cooper in that like really solid, strong quality of contact metrics, really doesn't strike out very much. He's 98th percentile expected batting average. Um, he doesn't hit the ball in the air all that often. And he doesn't run all that often. So there's limited utility, but I think he could be legitimately helpful as a, in, a, in a batting average context. So yeah, I think, um, I think Harold Ramirez is pretty good. Scott, can I get you to say anything good about Nixon Zell or, or we're not <laughs> buying this yet? I was looking to see what the data looked like during this hot yeah. stretch, and it's, you know, average exit velocity is still less than desirable. Yeah. And, no, I, I think I'm with Chris that uh, Harold Ramirez is the one I'm most interested in, which isn't saying a ton. I mean, I don't like hollow batting average guys, but at Chris, as Chris pointed out, 98th percentile expected batting average. It does seem like what he's doing with the batting average is I mean, legit. He's hitting 283 in his career. Which I was yeah. kind of surprised to see. Um, I, I did add Harold Ramirez to the ten sleeper hitters for this week. Uh, I had to remove. I had to remove Josh Naylor because he's still dealing with that back issue that we talked about on Friday. Mm-hmm. So Ramirez was the replacement. All right. Before we hit the break, reminder that you could join our Fantasy Baseball Today Facebook group. That's facebook.com slash groups slash Fantasy Baseball Today. Fun community asking any type of questions that you have. Waiver wire, trade questions, dynasty, keeper. Uh, So hop in there, put up a post, and uh, go interact with other FPT listeners and watchers. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back right after this. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. 
What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. The news and notes, unfortunately, the biggest news of the weekend. Jordan Alvarez went to the IL with right-hand inflammation, and uh, there's no timetable yet. I mean, hopefully, he can be back shortly after the All-Star break or maybe even right after the All-Star break, but uh, if we get a tom- timeline, we will obviously let you know. I think this goes without saying. If you need an outfield replacement, we've talked about Alex Kirloff a ton recently. I think he's up to 72% rostered, so... In shallower leagues, I think that makes sense. Uh, but Scott, some of the most added outfielders right now rostered in less than 60% of leagues. Eddie Rosario, Ramon Laureano, Garrett Cooper. Do you have one or two there that you like most? Yeah, Garrett Cooper is probably my favorite. And I have him in the sleeper hitters for this week. Eddie Rosario has been playing a lot, but Adam Duvall was banged up when Rosario first came back. And, and more recently, Duvall's been away on paternity leave. So that's that's helped keep Rosario in the lineup. I, I think playing time could be tricky between the two of them. And for that reason, I actually, uh, I'm not sure the, the bid went through, but I was willing to drop Duvall even in a 15-team league just because mm. of that messy playing time situation. I would say if you don't need an outfielder specifically, somebody who's even more available than Kirilov, and we talked about him a lot, of course, but uh, it's worth mentioning, is uh, Vinny Pasquantino, who's my favorite sleeper hitter for this week and beyond. Yes, as we mentioned uh, late last week, still hitting the ball extremely hard. So hopefully results coming this week. Scott, can we dub this week the uh, Vinny Pasquantino breakout? Is that, is that fine? Can coming out party, Frank. Let's That's do what it. we call it. Let's do it. Coming out party. Sweet. Um, Jacob DeGrom will make another rehab start either Wednesday or Thursday at AAA. He threw 36 pitches in his most recent rehab start. And sounds like he could be ready to go coming out of the All-Star break. So... That would be awesome. Get him and uh, Scherzer in that rotation healthy together for the first time this season. Fernando Tatis will talk with the doctor who performed surgery on him this week, and he could gain clearance to start taking batting practice without restrictions. Chris Sale will indeed return Tuesday and start against the Rays, which means he should have two starts, one against Tampa Bay and one against the Yankees. Chris, I assume that we're just throwing Chris Sale back in the lineup. Yeah, I mean, I think he threw like 72 pitches in his most recent start. I'm not sure if that was that was the one that he left because of 
control issues. So I don't know if like he could have thrown more and they just, you know, didn't want him to throw 40 pitches in an inning or whatever. But yeah, I think he probably gets to 80 plus pitches and that could, that should be enough for Chris sale to get you, you know, six plus strikeouts. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I think you, you keep him out there. Not just sorry, I said I was thinking out loud there. I, I just checked and I did win Nolan Jones in one of my 15 teamers with only a $13 bid. So that's a 1.3% bid. Wow. That I won him with. Yeah. I dropped Ranger Suarez for him. How do you like that? It's one of those it's one of those annoying leagues without IL spots. <laughs> so it's just like not a, not everybody on the IL can take up a bench spot. I had to let Suarez go. George Kirby was optioned back to AAA on Saturday, but I believe the Mariners are just trying to manage his workload, much like the Pirates did with uh, Rowanzi mm-hmm. Contreras. So I would expect Kirby to be back in the rotation after the All-Star break. We had a trade this weekend. Christian Betancourt was traded to the Tampa Bay Rays for uh, Cal Stevenson and Christian Fernandez. Betancourt is 15% rostered if you need a second catcher in a two-catcher league. He's been okay this year 248 batting average four homers Has four seals. impressive stack ass stats yeah uh hits the ball hard so you know what that means chris of course tampa bay is going to turn him into a superstar <laughs> and yada 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 just like well, they, look, the catcher yeah. was so bad i, I bethancourt was looking like a, a two catcher league guy even with the a's yeah. you know i'm kind of annoyed that now he's going to cut into francisco mejia's time not that mejia's been so great but he's been a viable catcher in a two catcher league there was another trade too, Frank. This wasn't the only trade. Oh, that's right. Your uh, your Atlanta Braves acquired Robinson Cano, right? They did. Yeah, and they're going to put him on the major league roster. He was <laughs> playing in the minors for the Padres. Don't know what it means for Orlando Arcia. If anybody was still holding out hope for him, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, was it was Cano a trade. even hitting in the minors? He was doing okay. He hasn't done, he hasn't not, done anything. Not yeah. what you'd want a uh, a major league caliber bat to do necessarily, but okay. <laughs> Did you guys see when I think he was playing for the Chihuahuas in uh, in the minors? They had like a yeah. SpongeBob SquarePants jersey that he had to wear yeah. one night. It was <laughs> completely ridiculous, but he's, yeah, he's just uh, it's, it seems beneath him. He's he's been reduced to this and probably won't go in the Hall of Fame because he kept kept getting busted. Yeah, Man. sad PEDs with Cano, one of my favorite mm. Yankees growing up. So. Unfortunate. Anyway, Tyler Stevenson was reinstated from the IL on Saturday and promptly picked up five hits, including a homer over his last two games. Mitch Garver will undergo season-ending surgery to repair his injured flexor tendon on Monday. Joe Barlow has been removed from the Rangers' closer role, and lefty Brett Martin picked up saves on both Friday and Saturday. He's 4% rostered. Uh, Chris, were you looking to maybe add Brett Martin in those deeper category leagues if you need saves? Yeah, I mean, any any league where you're chasing saves, I think it's worth looking at because we got the first two. So yeah. not only that, but I, I think the when this was announced, Jar, Joe Barlow being removed, not per, for performance reasons, by the way. Apparently, they just want to take some stress off him or whatever. I don't know. I don't know if he was like that uh, Charlie Day meme in front of the. You know, in front of the collage where he's like, ah, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know how stressed Joe Barlow was around the, the clubhouse that they felt the need to do this. But I, the, the, it seemed like the leading candidate was Dennis Santana, who had been their eighth inning guy, a right-hander. But Santana set up for Martin both of these games over the weekend. And I, I know at least on Friday, Martin faced the heart of the lineup in the ninth. So it wasn't like a, uh, a leverage 
situation. So, I, I mean, I don't know that Martin's that good. He has a high ground ball rate. ERA is fine. Yeah. K's are low. But, I'm pretty uh, sure he's not that good. Yeah. <laughs> but. But he's getting know. saves. He, he seems yeah, like, like that's, the, that's the clear it, front that, runner right now. Yeah. If you're getting saves, you matter. Yes. I think that's kind of where he falls in. Indeed. Andrew Heaney responded well to a bullpen session and is nearing a rehab assignment. He's been on the IL with a shoulder injury. Josh Naylor returned from his back injury on Saturday, and then he was scratched again on Sunday, which Scott mentioned. So unfortunately, you might not want to roll Josh Naylor out there this week. Brendan Donovan has missed two straight with an illness. Vidal Brujan was optioned back to AAA. He was batting just 167 with the Rays. Some prospect news. One of the top prospects in the game, Corbin Carroll, was promoted to AAA. He was batting 313 with 16 homers and 20 steals in 58 games at AA. Scott, do you think there's a chance we could see Corbin Carroll in the majors this season? Well, they had said just a couple weeks ago that he was not going to skip AAA. So that had that gave me some doubt whether or not we'd see. I mean, there was always reason for doubt. He's young. He doesn't have a ton of minor league experience. But I was beginning to wonder if I should put him in my five on the verge in the prospects report. Now that he's at AAA, mm. he officially hasn't skipped AAA. So <laughs> it could happen. I mean, I think if I was making, well, and I, I guess I will next week. I'll do a midseason top prospects rankings, and I, I expect Corbin Carroll will be. Number one, mm-hmm. obviously, that's not, you know, that that those are prospect rankings, so they're not thinking about 2022 necessarily, but they, that's that's the caliber of prospect Corbin Carroll is, and and so it wouldn't surprise me if he's so good at AAA that the the Diamondbacks even consider it, consider it even at age 21. Yeah, no, he's a freak athlete, power, speed, hit tool, lots of like with Corbin Carroll. He's 26 percent rostered over on CBS, uh, and we had another prospect. Um, report come out. An MRI on Grayson Rodriguez's lat came back clean. He was shut down in early June uh, and probably won't pitch again this season. I mean, maybe later on, but I don't think it will be for the Orioles, even if he does return. These players went to the IL this weekend. Wander Franco with a handmate injury in his right wrist, which might require surgery, so it's a huge blow. He could be out you know, the next four to six weeks, something like that. Uh, Jonathan Aranda was recalled by the Tampa Bay Rays, and just a name to watch because he was having a pretty good season in the minors. James McCann with a left oblique strain. Jeffrey Springs with tightness in his lower right leg. That's retroactive to July 7th. Jerickson Profar went to the seven-day concussion IL. Really scary collision on Thursday night for him. Ken Giles with right shoulder tightness and Michael Waka with right shoulder inflammation. Do we it's worth uh, mentioning that when McCann was placed on the IL, the Mets did not call up Francisco Alvarez, who is their top prospect and is probably in the conversation for top prospect in baseball at this point, right, Scott? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, he's really a catcher, good catcher, so catcher, hitter. We don't like catcher he, prospects yeah. in fantasy so much, but yeah. Um, but huge power, and he got called up to AAA recently, but they opted to not call him up, and reports say that he wasn't a real consideration, but, I mean, we'll... We'll see He's, what playing Thomas Nito does to their, uh, or Tomas Nito does to their, uh, you know, faith in Francisco Alvarez. He's 20 years old and yeah. has moved very quickly. So I would be surprised if we saw him this year, but the, the idea has occurred to me that. I mean, he's right around the corner. Right. Once you get to AAA, right? Yep. Fair well, enough. No, literally right around the corner. He plays in Brooklyn. Yeah, true. No, he doesn't. Doesn't he? 
Nah, I, I went to a Brooklyn Cyclones game on uh, uh, on Saturday. It's actually their high A affiliate. So uh, I was I, don't know I was sad because well, I you know I just said true because I took your word for it. So I'm, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not any better off anything, than that. I could have away with it. I could have just let that you know sneak on by. But yeah. there was like I missed out. Like last year, the Brooklyn Cyclones had Francisco Alvarez. They had Brett Beatty. Like you know, yeah. obviously like two pretty big prospects. Syracuse, yeah, is the Mets AAA affiliate. Uh, I mean, that's so. that's. A hop, a skip, and a jump. Yeah, not necessarily around the corner, but you know, whatever. We could take a train there, something like that. As the crow flies. (laughs) Uh, Starters sit these banged up players. Rafi Devers missed the last two games with lower back pain. What do you guys think? Do you trust Devers for this week? I'd start him. Yeah. Me too. Uh, Whitmerryfield left Sunday's game with right toe discomfort. X rays were negative, but they're awaiting MRI results. Anything on Whit? This sounds worse. So I I would probably try to avoid, especially because he's been. I mean, he's been better, but still pretty mediocre. Yeah. They have the one early game tomorrow, too, or Monday, <laughs> I should say, because uh, they have a doubleheader. So that's... That's rough. It's an eight-game week for the Royals, but yeah, that's mm. that's uh, that's a tricky one with Merrifield. Uh, CJ Crone has missed two straight with a wrist injury. They got seven home games this week, so um, I haven't seen any update on this. Would you take the shot on CJ Crone? I know he's not supposed to go on the IL. They don't think he's going to go on the IL, so that would... I would lean yes on C.J. Crone. All right. Yeah. Uh, Starling Marte was out Sunday with a left groin injury and is going for an MRI. I think he's not supposed to land on the IL. What do you guys think about Starling Marte? I, I saw that he still may. Mm. So that that that's concerning. I, I would try to avoid him. All right. Last one. Joey Votto has missed seven straight with back tightness. And I mean, I, I yeah, guess you could I just, argue I just that. just sat him. Yeah. I think you could argue that he's droppable at this point, but. Unfortunately, well, I sat him in the 24 team dynasty league, so not droppable. <laughs> yeah, 12 teamer, you could drop him potentially. Yeah. I, I haven't totally lost hope for him this yeah. year, but it's you know, you got to drop somebody sometimes. Fair enough. All right, buy or sell these pitchers and their recent success. Luis Castillo has now allowed two earned runs total over his last three starts, and this weekend he went seven innings of one run ball with eight strikeouts. 14 swinging strikes, nine on the fastball, and he's been throwing this four-seam fastball more, and and this is something that, you know, we mentioned recently was kind of, like, in the games where he was great was the, were the ones where he was throwing his four-seam fastball more, so I wonder if that's kind of unlocking Luis Castillo once again. Scott, what do you think? Buy or sell this recent run for Luis Castillo? Sure, I'll buy it. I, I am encouraged by the four-seamer use and the fact that it's, you know, become his... It, Second best swing and miss pitch. Best. I mean, by far this season. The changeup okay. hasn't even actually been that good of a swing and miss right. pitch for him. Right. So I don't know. Hopefully he can regain that changeup and then he'll really be in business. Yeah. He is the he is an all-star. Luis Castillo was named to the all-star team as the Reds. Well, someone had to be. <laughs> hey. He's pitching like it though. It was either him or Kyle Farmer. Nah, I was gonna say Brandon Drury, man. Show my guy some respect. Yeah, could have been Drury. That's that. Yeah, that was that was one of the more notable hitter snubs. I thought there were a lot of pitcher snubs. Oh yeah, especially no, in the I, NL. I mean, but. it's weird. This is like a different version of Castillo than we've ever seen. But I'm I'm buying it. Yeah, I I think he's looked really good. Yep, Chris. What do you think about Blake Snell? That's now two straight uh, double digit strikeout outings in a row, and he went up against the Giants this weekend. Six innings, one run, eleven strikeouts. He had twenty one swinging strikes on one hundred and eight pitches. Trying to see what he's doing differently. The curveball usage is up over these last two starts. Um, it's a harder curveball too. Yeah, and his curveball and slider 
they each have a swinging strike rate over 21%. I mean, that is just absolutely massive. I know the the overall number is 4.66 ERA is obviously very bad for Snell, but there's some stuff under the hood. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I mean, the fastball was bad last year, too. It wasn't as bad as it has been this season. Um, the curveball is playing better this season. I'm not sure exactly what, you know, he's throwing harder, like Scott said. Maybe well, the last three starts especially, he's yeah. thrown it harder, and, and two of them have been great. The first one wasn't, but last two have been. And so I, I, I'm a little skeptical, but I, I generally think, like, Blake Snell throwing more sliders and curveballs is probably a good thing. So I think he's going to continue to be frustrating, but, um, you know, he's, he's remained in like my top 48 starting pitchers. All right. Patrick Sandoval posted a season high, 10 strikeouts at the Baltimore Orioles. He went six and a third, one run, 10 strikeouts. Again, 20 swinging strikes there. His last two starts, uh, he's moved into, uh, less forcing fastballs, more sinkers and changeups. And the ERA is down to 2.95. Scott, are you buying? what Patrick Sandoval has been doing recently. Yeah, I'm buying it. He's, you know, emphasizing that changeup. He's not throwing the fastball as much. And specifically the the swinging strike rate, I, you know, in no small measure because of those two changes he made, he's made, I'm sure. Uh, over his past six starts, it's 16% swinging strike rate. It's basically what it was last year. Again, remember early on, Prior to that six-start stretch, it was like an 11% swinging strike rate, which is really not what we were expecting from Sandoval. We thought he'd be a big bat misser, and he started to perform like that again. So I'm, I'm definitely encouraged by the direction he's headed. All right. Chris, if you're trying to talk, you are muted. Yeah, I was. His forcing <laughs> fastball is an absolute disaster. Um, it wasn't good last season, but it's been even worse so far this year. It has the worst whiff rate of any forcing fastball in baseball. Wow. Uh, which is bad. 484 expected Woba allowed on the fastball. Also very bad. Mm. You know, his sinker's not a great pitch, but I think given what we've seen this season, especially, this is probably a good change for him. Mostly because I think it keeps him from pitching up in the zone, which is what he tries to do with his four-seam fastball, which is what you generally want to do with a four-seam fastball, but uh, he can't do that. So mm. I think the the switch to the sinker, and focusing more on the changeup, and you know the sliders also got a really good swing and miss rate. So, and even the curveball. Um, so, I think this is a, a good thing, and I'm feeling more optimistic about Patrick Sandoval. I was kind of starting to go, you know, he, he was starting to like creep outside of my top forty. Mm-hmm. So, I think uh, I feel better about him now. Chris, talk to me about Taiwan Walker because obviously you went to that game. You get to watch Sandy on the other side. Taiwan Walker has quietly been very, very good. His last six starts, he's got a one point eight five ERA, over a strikeout per inning. He's doing some things a little bit differently. Fifty four percent ground ball rate uh, during this stretch. He's up to ninety percent rostered, so I don't think you can add him. But what do you think? Are you buying this recent stretch for Taiwan Walker? It's so hard for me to buy when we saw you know last season he made the all. Did he pitch in the All Star game? Last year, um, he made the All Star game last year. I'm pretty sure he was really good in the first half, and then fell apart. So, it's hard for me to buy in, and the the peripherals don't necessarily support what he's doing. Um, but you know, I, I think he's useful enough. I don't I don't want to like overstate the case for Taiwan Walker, but I think he's a, a fine pitcher to have around. Probably someone I would be looking to trade right now. But if I can't get anything of value for him, I'm 
perfectly content to ride it out while he's, you know, emphasizing, like you said, the, the slider and splitter more, um, you know, those are going to be his best pitches. So I think that's a, that's a good thing for him, but he's not someone I get excited about. He's not someone I want to run away screaming from. He's, (laughs) he's in that great blob towards the back half. Fair enough. All right, let's, uh, let's, Hit some leftovers, rapid fires. Still a lot of stuff to talk about. Some pitchers duels from this weekend. Uh, we had Zach Wheeler go up against Adam Wainwright. Wheeler went seven shutout with five strikeouts. On the other side, Wainwright throws a complete game, gives up two runs, only three strikeouts. Scott, anything you'd like to add on Zach Wheeler and Adam Wainwright? Not really. Zach Wheeler was one of the more notable all-star snubs, one of those many pitchers I referred to. The worst of the pitchers was probably Carlos Rodon to be snubbed. I mean, the worst snubbing. Uh, but Wheeler was a bad one, too, I thought. All right, let's uh, talk about Carlos Rodon because him and you, Darvish, they put on a show in San Diego. Carlos Rodon, a complete game here. One run allowed, 12 strikeouts, including 27 swinging strikes. ERA is down to 2.70. And then you, Darvish. Uh, went seven innings of one-run ball, six strikeouts on the other side, uh, 3.38 ERA. He's got a 0.99 whip, which is tied for ninth among qualified starting pitchers, which honestly surprised me. I did not know Hugh Tarvis was pitching that well. Chris, what do you think about these two? Would you look to sell high on Carlos Rodon after an amazing start like this when you know there's some history there with the shoulder and velocity fluctuations? What do you think? Uh, I would be more willing to sell high on you Darvish than Carlos Rodon because I think Carlos Rodon's legitimately great. And the velocity was back up in this one, 96.7 miles per hour, 20 swings and misses with his fastball. He's one of the few pitchers in baseball who can throw 70% fastballs and get those kind of whiffs. So, no, I, the the injury risk is really all I'm concerned with with Carlos Rodon. He, he remains... Um, not quite top. I think he's top 10 now, top eight starting pitcher for me. So I, I'm still quite high on him, and I still expect very good things for him moving forward. All right. Starter sit these pitchers in, let's just say, standard 12-team league. Uh, Nestor Cortez, his last six starts, he's got a 5.34 ERA. He's going up against the Reds this week. Scott, what do you think? He's an all-star. Um, <laughs> That's a fact. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's been trended the wrong way here. Not surprisingly, he couldn't. He wasn't going to maintain a what was his ERA in the early going. It was it was like below two, right, for the first couple months. Yeah. yeah, I think he's probably still a top forty pitcher rest of season, but not like a Cy Young caliber pitcher like he was looking early on. And obviously, it helps that he's on the winningest team in baseball, so you know he's always going to have a lot of support, and that makes a big difference. Okay. Would you you'd start him in this one against the Reds? Yeah, with that matchup, I'm, I wouldn't be that. I wouldn't be afraid to start Cortez. I okay. think his last start was pretty good, actually. Right? The it's, been, one f- it's been bumpy overall of late, but the yeah. previous start mm-hmm. was pretty good. Tarek Skubal got back on track with his first quality start since June seventh. He gave up two runs over six innings with seven strikeouts against the White Sox. Chris, would you start him at the Royals this week? Yeah, I think that's fine. He still got hit kind of hard in this one, especially with the fastball, but overall better. You know, avoiding walks is the kind of the the, the skeleton key for him. Lucas Gilito, another rough start this weekend. Six and two-thirds, five runs, eight strikeouts against the Tigers, and he is at the Guardians mm-hmm. this week. Scott, what do we do there? Take Gilito out? I mean, that's a pretty good matchup, but it doesn't get better than the Tigers. And I was... 
Man, I remember just last week we were talking Lucas Giolito or Spencer Strider rest of the season, and I think I came around to Strider. Mm-hmm. But it, when I look at Giolito's, like this is like sometimes I feel like we get caught in the granular and miss the big picture. I mean, Giolito has a 505 ERA and 144 whip this season. That's very bad. Yeah. It's not um, good. I mean, I don't think that's where his numbers are going to finish. I think he'll probably shave a run off that ERA. But after this start, I'd, I'd be, I'd be, a, I'd be a little scared of starting him next week. Last one here: Hunter Green turned in his first quality start since June sixth. He went six innings of one-run ball, nine strikeouts against Tampa Bay, including twenty-two swinging strikes. The ERA is still five point seven zero, but I, I mean, he has pretty big strikeout upside each and every time he goes out there. Scott, what do you think at the Cardinals this week for Hunter oh. Green? I mean, he was almost my oh my goodness gracious player because he's still only seventy four percent rostered now. Five seventy ERA, you can kind of understand that. But I think he's, I think this start was another indication that he's very close to taking it off. He averaged more than a hundred miles per hour on his fastball in this one. It was the second most, a hundred plus mile per hour pitches for any pitcher ever in a game. He has I, th- I think he's also the leader. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> that was his second start, I believe. Um, but he had, I read in the Cincinnati Inquirer that he's taken to strength training in between starts in an effort to keep that velocity high from start to start. And he's also kind of uh, altered his slider, made it into two pitches, one that's more like a cutter and one that's more of a traditional sweeping slider. And I think between those two changes, like if – like. The fastball was good enough that he got double-digit swinging strikes on it, and you know it's not normally a good swing, swing and miss pitch as hard as he throws it. So if he can, if he can continue with those two changes, I think it, I think there's a chance that uh, that Hunter Green takes off in the second half. So I'd, I'd be looking to pick him up any in any of those leagues where he's still available. Scott, would you drop Mackenzie Gore for him? Yes. All right. Fair enough. Yeah, I think that's fine. SP Studs Part 1. Shane McClanahan makes it 12 straight starts, allowing two earned runs or fewer. He goes six, one run, uh, innings of eight strikeout ball at the Cincinnati Reds. It appears Charlie Morton just dislikes pitching in the beginning of the season because he looks fine. (laughs) Seven innings, two runs, seven strikeouts against the Washington Nationals. And over his last five starts, he's got a 1.60 ERA. Framber Valdez makes it 14 straight quality starts. This one at the Oakland A's, eight innings, three runs, uh, three strikeouts in that start. And Clayton Kershaw makes his second uh, double-digit strikeout effort of the season. This one was against the Cubs. Uh, he goes seven and two-thirds, two runs, ten strikeouts to zero walks. Chris, anything you'd like to add on Kershaw, Valdez, Morton, and Shane O'Mac? Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Boom. Uh, those are four very good pitchers. and I, I think Charlie Morton is back to being a very good pitcher. He's, uh, I think he's back inside my top 30, and yeah, he's 25 for me, and... Probably just going to go ahead and move him ahead of Lucas Giolito now, and probably going to move him ahead of Frankie Montas, given you know the the questions about his health. So yeah, top twenty four starting pitcher Charlie Morton. Hey, right three of these three of these four are all stars. <laughs> just keep up with this uh, this shtick, Scott. I, I like yeah, it quite well, a bit. Just, you know. Not everybody. I'm, I'm just trying to inform everybody who the all-stars are. Uh, starting pitcher studs part two. Alec Manoa makes it 14 quality starts this season, tied for second most in Major League Baseball. He was at the Mariners. He gave up two runs over seven and a third innings of 
uh, with seven strikeouts there. And Robbie All-star. Ray, yes, Robbie Ray has really turned it around himself. He's allowed four earned runs total over his last six starts. He goes six, one run, six strikeouts there against his former team, the Blue Jays. And uh, his velocity was way up in this one too. 1.7 miles per hour on the sinker, 1.5 miles per hour on the slider. Scotty, Manoa, mm-hmm. Robbie Ray, what do you got? Oh, only one's an all-star, but if <laughs> Robbie Ray had been pitching like this from the beginning of the year, he would be too, because his last six starts, Robbie Ray has a .91 ERA, .73 whip, 10.4K per nine, and it seems like the sinker's unlocked everything for him. You know, a lot of times, mm-hmm. like with Luis Castillo, we prefer them to go away from the sinker, but it seems like Robbie Ray just is able to locate his a lot better than his four seamer. And uh, even though it's, it's uh, cost him some, something strikeout wise, you know, he's, he's still getting plenty. Some hitting leftovers from the weekend. Mike Trout with a sock and a shoe on Friday, his 24th home run and his first steal of the season. Josh Donaldson is heating up and uh, he had a sock and a shoe on Friday, his ninth home run, his second stolen base. I'm here to tell you that Juan Soto is, Still good at baseball. His last five games, he's got nine hits, including two home runs. Michael Harris Harris had another massive game on Friday. He went four for four with his seventh home run. He added four RBI and three runs scored. Corey Seager hit a home run each game this weekend. He has four home runs in his last five games and 19 total. That is a 35 homer pace over 150 games. His previous career high was his issue is all BABIP. Yeah, it's I mean, just he's got like his bad. It's like 100 points lower than his career. Everything else for Corey Seager looks awesome. And I saw mm-hmm. he's he's batting around 230 and his XBA is close to 300. So it's over 300 when I looked at it today. Wow. Yeah. So he's yeah. Big, big, uh, big second half coming for Corey Seager. Superstar. The the floodgates. The floodgates might be open here for uh, Chris Bryant, who had a double dong on Friday uh, and then added another homer on Saturday. I know he was dealing with something that happened on Sunday. Yeah, for me, it's just I, I just hope he can stay healthy because I still believe he's going to be really, really good at course Field as long as he's healthy. Yes. Uh, I Let's see if I can pull this up quickly. Chris Bryant of the Colorado Rockies is expected to land on the paternity list on Monday. So okay. that is not great, yeah, especially not great in a week where they have seven, seven home, games. home games. Oh, my geez. I don't even have any shares of Chris Bryant, but that is just so frustrating because I think you still start him though. Like you'd have unless you've got like a really good option. I I, I still think like five games of course field from Chris Bryant. You should feel pretty good about that. Yeah, I think it's tougher in a points right. league, but all right, fair enough. Get him back in there. Uh, Austin Riley, six more hits this weekend, including two home runs. He's now up to twenty three total. And the not game. an all star. I think that's the biggest snub of all. That Austin Riley. So. <sighs> Kyle Schwarber, the beefcake, just keeps on. All-star. Two for five with his 28th home run of the season. Uh, some bullpen updates. We are already very late into the podcast. Anyway, the call to the bullpen for the tw- Marlins, not the Twins. Tanner Scott pitched in all three games this weekend. He picked up two saves and a loss. He's been a little shaky recently. He's still 54% rostered. For the Phillies, Sir Anthony Dominguez pitched in the eighth inning with a two-run lead on Friday. Uh, and then Brad Hand picked up the, his fourth save in that game. And then for on Saturday, uh, Dominguez and Hand obviously both pitched on Friday. Corey Knable picked up his 12th save of the That's season. That's so annoying. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's re- gotten real That's messy there. I, three I, straight I, saves by a different person in Philadelphia now. I, I think Knebel only got that save Saturday because Dominguez and Hand had both worked two days in a row. But yeah. even even if that's the case, Hand and Dominguez are clearly sharing the role, which yeah. mm-hmm. makes it makes it hard. Yep. For the Rockies on Friday, Alex Colome picked up his fourth save. Daniel Bard pitched on both Wednesday and Thursday, and then Bard was back at it on Sunday. He picked up his 18th save of the season. For the Cardinals on Saturday, Ryan Helsley entered in a tie game in the eighth inning. He faced 9-1-2 and two in the... I, I don't know who we're facing. Is it the Phillies? I don't know. Anyway, uh, yeah. Gio- Giovanni Gallegos pitched in the ninth inning. He gave up a run, and he took the loss in that game. I think it just... Further, Ryan Helsley has further entrenched himself as as the closer, I think. Uh, for the Orioles on Saturday, Jorge Lopez struck out two for his 16th all-star. save. Shout out to the Orioles, by the way. They are playing great baseball. Love to see it. For the, I think how about the Angels, too. how about the Angels having like Otani and Trout both go three for five <laughs> with a home run in a game? I think that was the game that Patrick Sandoval pitched really well in, and they managed to lose that one. They we spent all this time talking about how good Reed Detmer, Detmers was. They lost that one as well. Man, it's crazy. I don't know. It's basically since they're like them and the Orioles have basically swapped like how hot they've been this season, right? So it's yeah, it's been very weird. It's I don't understand the Angels. I love the tweets where people are like Otani, you know, breaks some kind of record every single time he plays baseball, but the Angels lost eleven to three or something like that. So yeah. it's it's very weird. Uh, for the Mariners on Saturday, Diego Castillo picked up his fifth save after Paul Sewald threw thirty pitches on Friday. And then on Sunday, uh, Seawald was back at it. He picked up his 10th save. He's been very Ken good. And Giles went on the aisle, too. So that's that's one less uh, yeah, shoulder obstacle for Seawald. But I, I think Seawald's just the guy. For the so. Twins on Sunday, Tyler Duffy allowed a hit but picked up his second save. And they are searching right now because Duran, they've used at different points of the game, different you know high leverage situations. It, they seem hesitant to make him the closer. And Emilio Pagan has been terrible, so... Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, they're probably a candidate to go out and trade for a reliever around this uh, trade deadline season. For the Dodgers on Sunday, Bruce Dark Gratterall fired two scoreless innings for his third save of the season, and Craig Kimbrell had pitched three of the previous four days. To stream or not, Frank, the tweet you're the tweet you're referencing is from at Metomic. Okay. Every time I see an Angels highlight, it's like Mike Trout hit three home runs and raised his average to 528 while Shohei Otani did something that hasn't been done since Tungsten Arm O'Doyle of the 1921 Akron Groomsman as the Tigers defeated the Angels 8-3. to Yeah, yeah. That's uh, about as accurate as it could possibly yeah, be. That, that pretty much sums it up. When it comes to the Angels. To stream or not to stream for Monday, Alex Cobb versus the Diamondbacks, Michael Pineda at the Royals, Brad Keller versus the Tigers, Mitch Keller versus the uh, Marlins, Trevor Rogers versus the Pirates, Brian Bayo at the Rays, Spencer Howard versus the A's, Alex Faito at the Royals, Daniel Lynch versus the Tigers. I think it's Alex Cobb. I'm going to keep riding that Alex Cobb bike, and it's going to keep leaving me with a scraped knee. I'm just going <laughs> to keep doing it. Would you guys? Yeah. I think Mitch Keller is fine. I think Trevor Rogers is okay. So. Oh, gosh. That is fortune favors the brave. I have more faith in Trevor (laughs) Rogers than you guys do still. I I still think he can figure it out. Has he had a fantasy worthy start all year? A single one. He has had one quality start in 16 tries this season. He's definitely had fantasy worthy starts. Scott, come on. 
No. Maybe not only many. one. Not many. Not many at all. <laughs> not many. On Tuesday, Daniel Castano. Oh, five and a third inning, one earned run, eight strikeouts. Okay. May that's, 14th, that's he was dominant. Oh, that's another. Just he, made- he actually he did actually had two decent ones in April. Hey. Uh, for Tuesday, we've got Daniel Cassano versus the Pirates. Chris Flexen at the uh, Nationals. Uh, David Peterson at the Braves. Josh Winder versus the Brewers. Mitch White at the Cardinals. Adrian Sampson versus the Orioles. Jordan Lyles at the Cubs. Glenn Otto versus the A's. James Caprillion at the Rangers. And Bo Brisky at the Royals. I think Chris Flexen against the Nationals is okay. I wouldn't mind David Peterson, even though it's against the Braves. They they are, I believe, second in strikeouts, and, and that's what he's been doing a lot of recently. Uh, but obviously there's danger to that, too. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. I think we're getting to the time of year where I have to actually write out the teams because every time I see the abbreviations, I'm starting to think of football team names, and it's... Yeah, it's well, kind of messing I'm with my brain. Not, so. I'm still not used to commanders, so that's <laughs> I'm never going to get that one. Yeah, I had to read Washington like three different times in my mind, and I'm like, <laughs> what team is this? Is this the football team? Is this the Nationals? Anyway, uh, we've gone very long, but that's the weekend recap for you. For Scott and Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.